Hello, and welcome back to the Clavio Data Science Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, I hope you enjoy your stay. If you're returning, welcome back. If you tuned into the Clavio product event on October 27th, you almost certainly caught a glimpse of the main topic for today. If you're a Clavio user who's created a campaign since then, there's a good chance that you've run across it. Showcase is currently one of the most exciting features that the Clavio data science team has released, especially ones released recently, and it's currently released to everyone on the Clavio platform. This episode, we're going to take a deep dive into Showcase. As always, because this is a podcast about practical software development, we're going to go through the details about the way that we made this feature here at Clavio. But also, as always, because this is a podcast about data science and the larger questions that it raises, we'll devote plenty of time to the why of Showcase and the problems that it's solving. This episode, I'm joined by members of the creative team on data science here at Clavio. We'll do introductions now. So who are you and what is your role on the creative team? Let's start with Chris. Hey there, I'm Chris Fox, and I am the uh, senior data scientist here at Clavio. And my role is a project manager for creative and showcase. Very nice. Next up, Charlie. My name is Charlie Nicholi. I'm also a senior data scientist here at Clavio. And my role is working on some of the algorithms and uh, other sort of backend infrastructure uh, surrounding Showcase. Excellent. And Devin. Hey, my name is Devin Patel, and I'm a product manager at Clavio. So my role on Showcase is exactly that, being a product manager and, and helping out Chris on the project management side. Fantastic. Have a few returning voices to the podcast here. Returning faces as well, but you can't see those. This is an audio medium. And Devin, first time on the podcast. So welcome, all of you. Glad to have you back. Glad to have you here. Thanks for having us. Good to be back. Yeah, thank you. I'd like to take a quick moment before we move on to the full topic, talking about the showcase feature and mention the other people on the team who worked on the feature who, for the purposes of not having a Zoom call with nine people in it, were not here today on this call. So who were the other members of the team who worked on showcase? I want to call out the other members of the Showcase team who aren't with us today. In no particular order, their names are Sofian Aji, Gal Korsha, Vinicius Auricchio, Andrew Piliero, Stefan Asunye, and Nick Vasella. I also want to especially thank a handful of people who aren't on the Showcase team, but who were directly involved in a major way at various points. Uh, in particular, I want to thank Ian Delbridge, Oliver Wren, Julian Zucker, Zach Robinson, and Julie Lingaro. Showcase would not have been the same without those people. And I should just say that there were many, many others uh, who gave a lot of helpful advice and feedback along the way as we developed Showcase. And I couldn't possibly mention all those people right here. Got a lot of advice from a huge number of people at Clavio, especially like our customer success, customer education team have a lot of people who really, really understand customers, really understand email and SMS design, and they gave us all sorts of really useful feedback. Also want to call out leadership that helped us out, not just being stakeholders, but giving us advice. Um, Alexandra Edelstein, group product manager, Eric Silberstein, VP of data science, and Christina Dedrick, manager on data science. One of the challenges of talking about these features on this podcast is just in the interest of not giving people a million voices to keep track of in a single episode, we have to focus on a small group, but it's important to remember all features of a certain size are big group efforts. And that's why I like starting with this, just to remind everyone at home, this is a group effort. A lot of people are involved here. It isn't just the three people that you're talking to today, but glad that I have these three on the team to talk with me today. So 
Let's go ahead and start with our opening question. In a bit of a tradition that has lapsed on this podcast, oftentimes our opening question is related to the topic at hand, but not directly a question about the topic at hand. In this case, we're thinking about the idea of inspiration because the idea of inspiration is heavily involved in Showcase. Before we get to the more technical discussion of Showcase, let's start off by asking, when you were younger, what book or other piece of media really inspired you? So I can start. Um, this might be a weird example, but um, when I was in college, I uh, spent two summers abroad in China and I read one book called All Eyes East by Mary Bergstrom. The author um, has a basically consulting practice, a marketing consulting practice in China, where she helps American and European brands basically adapt their products to the Chinese market. And I thought what really inspired me about the book was she talks about a lot of super, super specific case studies of specific products, how they're marketed in the US or China, and then how that's adopted. And I think what was really cool is like from looking at these very specific examples of marketing, you can learn a lot about, you can uncover a lot of cultural assumptions in both the US and China by comparing the differences. And it, I sort of learned a lot about Chinese culture from that. And it made me wonder like, as an American, what am I not, <laughs> what am I taking for granted that I don't know? Question my assumptions and think really broadly. I'm kind of playing a little bit loose on what younger means because I, I just read this about like three, four years ago, but I really wanted to call out this book uh, that I read called The Lean Product Playbook by Dan Olson. This book is probably the reason why I'm a product manager today and the reason why I fell in love with being a product manager. Super interesting book that talks about the product life cycle and gives really interesting case studies about products that successfully went through the product life cycle. And I just thought it was super interesting to see you know, what makes a successful product and how you can be an effective person in launching a successful product. My book that inspired me was probably in a similar vein to Devin's. It's a book called uh, kind of irreverently badass making users awesome. And it's, it's basically a, a book about really diving into what it is that people really look for in, in products. And it's, you know, people want products that make them awesome, make them feel like they, you know, they could do something that they couldn't do before that definitely inspired me and in how I thought about approaching showcase. Very nice. Some good inspiration that people in the audience could potentially go check out for themselves. But let's move on to Showcase in particular. I'd like to start with the bigger picture. Software features don't come out of a vacuum, at least usually. They're usually responding to a customer need that exists. What was that need in the case of Showcase? We knew we wanted to help people with the creative behind emails and SMS they're sending on Klaviyo, but again, we had no idea where exactly people were getting stuck. And we talked to a lot of people, you know, all sorts of sizes from, you know, entrepreneurs to somewhat bigger companies, or let's say like a marketing manager or a somewhat bigger company. The big thing we noticed was that a lot of times these brands were sort of a creative extension of the founder or people involved. And, you know, how you talk about that in marketing was very much part of that. So it was this question of sort of, how do I find my voice and how do I keep engaging with my customers in that way? So if I'm a funny brand, how can I keep having funny things? If I'm a really cool, chic brand, how can I do that? If I'm really talking about content, and have, want to have really interesting informational stuff, how do I keep my customers engaged that way? Yeah, so two things. One is really understanding, like, how do I connect with my customers? And then on a more narrow level, how do I use email as a medium very well, or SMS? And I think people got really stuck with that. Another big thing was just one customer, He, um, him and his wife had a small e-commerce brand. He just said, look, we're doing this by ourselves. I send out three emails a week. That's 150 emails a year. It's really hard to keep coming up with content. Definitely want to echo Charlie's point that being creative is hard. <laughs> That's a, the, probably the most simple way to put it. Being creative is hard. Some of our customers send out campaigns weekly and if not daily, I, I know I, I've spoken to a few customers that send out campaigns every single day 
And when you're sending things out with that high of volume and that frequently, it can get very hard to kind of think of how do I change things up? How do I keep my customers from getting bored with the content that I'm giving them? Totally agree with you there, Devin. And you know, one thing too, is that I think, especially for a lot of small brands who are just getting started, they built a little email marketing list and they're, they're reaching out to their customers for the first time. I think it can be a kind of a frightening experience to send that first campaign. How can we give people that confidence to feel, to feel good about you know, sending their first campaign or sending those, maybe those first, those first few campaigns out sort of get a sense of like, what is the range of what's normal, good practice in their industry or whatnot? Very interesting. So some customers have to come up with a lot of content and it's difficult to come up with a lot of content for the amount that they're sending out, or it can be difficult to come up with that first campaign. Are there any other ways that these ultimate struggles or these ultimate problems manifested themselves that you saw? The reason I ask is it would be amazing if you could just walk up to someone and say like, what is the root cause of why you're frustrated right now? Usually people can't tell you that though. Usually there are some underlying problems, but then they manifest in some other way. Were there any other ways that that manifested in either people's lives or people's workflows that you saw while you were doing research for this? I think one other thing was the real desire for like a visual learning tool. People saying, you know, I'll share with my designer other emails that I like that I find on other email inspiration websites or from my, you know, like subscribe to my competitor's email account. And I think that kind of visual learning was really helpful. You know, sometimes they would read articles about how to make a good email, but again, that having to constantly go back and read something else was, was kind of a pain. I even remember one customer who said, I literally work in a bookstore. And so I hate to say this, but I, I hate re- reading all those articles all the time, having guidance that fits the medium. I thought it was very telling how people's uh, workflows were really jumbled. People would tell us like, oh yeah, I, like I subscribe to a bunch of my competitors and I get those in my inbox and then I'll save those in a folder that I like. And then separately, maybe I'm looking on Pinterest or something. And then I'm also maybe looking at some other sites. And so it was just really interesting that, you know, like the workflow didn't, didn't really feel like it had any sort of like logical sense to it. And honestly, everyone kind of had a different approach, but it was all very like similarly jumbled. So yeah, I guess that, that sort of maybe kind of hinted at the, the need for something a little better out there. A big issue with, there are actually a lot of sites where you can subscribe to literally every single email that a certain company, maybe a competitor of yours sends out. But the, the problem with that extreme is it's a huge amount of data with no insight. You have no sense of, did these emails do well? What about them was good? Should I try to copy this? One end of the spectrum is being too specific and not like understanding that person's unique vision. Another end of the spectrum is just throwing out a bunch of stuff with no context or insight at all. Thinking about the existing workflows that some of our customers had before Showcase existed, like Charlie mentioned that they'll go onto other websites, kind of like these Pinterest types of websites where you can just look at a bunch of content and check out what, what catches your eye. But the problem there is those are very cherry-picked libraries where it's somebody's just saying like, oh, this email looks pretty. I'm going to throw it onto to this website without naming any names of, of these websites. But the thing is, it may look pretty, but you don't know if that email really performed well. And I think that's a huge differentiator and game changer about Showcase is that this is content that was sent out through the Klaviyo platform. So naturally, Klaviyo has the data behind all of these examples. And we know each and every single example that you're looking at in Showcase was successful and it did something right to be successful. That's an awesome point. We'll get back to that exact point about high performance in just a moment. But before we get to that, I'd actually like to explore the process of coming up with the ultimate solution that we came up with for Showcase. In particular, We touched on some very large problems, some very big questions there, like very jumbled, complex workflows that really vary from person to person. Doesn't seem like there's a single best solution. 
That suggests that there's definitely more than one possible solution that looks correct, or possibly even more than one correct solution. Were there any false starts or any ideas that we thought about but didn't fully explore on the route to showcase? So one thing we ex thought about and explored was giving much more tailored guidance on very specific parts of it. So maybe people ask things like, you know, you have a shop now button, where should that go? What kind of words should it say? What color should it be? And I think we decided not to start there. I think those kinds of questions are really important and really helpful. It'd be great to be able to kind of help customers with those, but um, we didn't start those for two reasons. Number one, we thought these kind of narrow things, the core of what someone is trying to do is to speak and engage and create a meaningful connection with their customers. If people are just looking for cheap things, they go to Amazon, they go to Shopify or independent e-commerce stores because they want something that is unique and, and really meaningful. And I think that's reflected in how we talk to people in email. We thought that the most important thing is helping people to forge those relationships. It wouldn't really get at that if you're just doing these narrow things. Secondarily, every company is really, really different. Funny tone is going to work really well for some companies, but if you're a very serious brand, that's not good or at the very worst harmful. So like we sort of wanted to acknowledge that there's a huge amount of nuance in what actually is provably good. Um, I'm saying with air quotes. And so we wanted something that was going to give people a lot of ideas, but not be too prescriptive within, you know, you have to add more smiley face emojis because there's no way we, you know, you know, your brand better than us. I think that was definitely a major false start there that the idea, like we were giving too specific of guidance that probably didn't apply in all cases. We had other ideas that we didn't end up pursuing. Like I know we, at one point we're talking about like a, a subject line view. We were going to look at like a, an email inbox view, which is something we may eventually explore, but we had a number of thoughts about like other, other views that showcase could have. You know, we also thought about starting with other types of uh, content than we, than we ended up with. We, we stuck with email campaigns because we thought it was sort of a, a good starting point. I know we considered flows and things like that. One analogy too. So I'm currently planning a wedding, right? And so for me, I've actually used a lot of Pinterest to basically look at a bunch of emails and say, or not emails, <laughs> look at a bunch of examples and say, what do I like and not like? Do that. And Pinterest is also super, super smart with recommending different ideas to me based on what I've, I've learned. And each one of those things gives me new insights. Pinterest is amazing, by the way, if you haven't used it. Just to compare that, it would have been a lot less helpful if the website literally said, tell me a couple things, I'm going to tell you what your wedding should look like. Very good point. Let's talk a little bit more about the direction that we did end up taking. At a high level, what is Showcase? What does Showcase do? The simplest way to put it is a curated library of top performing email and SMS campaigns sent by our very own Klaviyo customers. So the idea and kind of like the workflow here is that if you're a Klaviyo customer and you're creatively blocked when you're thinking about the next campaign that you want to send, you can hop on over to Showcase and browse this gallery of content to give you some ideas. I think early on, we kind of settled on the idea of this being a really like a visual discovery tool to help you find inspiration easily. These are sort of high performing examples that we know have done well. And they're sort of like there and readily, you know, able to be clicked on and, and sort of browsed, uh, make it really easy for you to find what you're looking for. I'd like to dig into that idea of high performing a little bit more. That's a phrase that's come up a few times. And I think it sounds like it's pretty core to the value that Showcase gives. It's baked into this pretty thoroughly. High performing is a very simple concept, but as we've seen many times on this podcast, simple concepts often are not actually simple. What data science approach ultimately did we take to figure out that something is high-performing? This was actually, a, it's a very hard problem, like you mentioned. Uh, and I think the, uh, initially we started by doing a lot of exploratory data analysis, just trying to figure out what kind of confounding variables would basically ex help explain like why something did well. So, so I mean, maybe at, at its core, right? Really going back to like the simple premise. It's one thing to say that an email is done well, 
And we could easily find the ones that actually have the highest open rate, so the highest click-through rates. That's an easy problem. But where it gets a little more difficult is when you start trying to like figure out like, well, why? Just taking the, the emails with the highest click-through rates, the highest open rates, that in and of itself doesn't guarantee that these emails are in any way inspirational or, or valuable because like you'll see a lot of emails where, you know, for example, it'll be sent to a really targeted audience. You know, if you send out an email to like a bunch of your friends or some of your you know, most engaged users, it's not surprising that they're going to have like really high open rates, right? As opposed to like maybe more of an email blast sent out to 100,000 customers. So that's something that we, like, we see, you know, kind of like broadly, and, and we know it's an effect that, uh, you know, impacts click rates and things like that. You know, same thing goes for like industries, like some industries just have higher engagement than others. Certain types of campaigns definitely have more like engagement than others. Uh, hang on, my cat is about to maul my couch. Um, Special guest on the podcast this week. <laughs> <laughs> we basically took a look at all kinds of different things. We, we tried to brainstorm like what, what types of effects might be impacting performance. And we tried to essentially like take a look at all of those. We, we knew that we needed to account for them in some way. We tried a number of different modeling approaches. And I think we're still kind of experimenting with it. So I don't claim that we have like figured out the ultimate model by any means, but essentially, you know, our approach takes into account all, a lot of these various factors, the ones that we thought were sort of kind of like the biggest confounders. One of the interesting things about this is the types of things people send and what that means for performance is really diverse. It was a really interesting challenge to figure out how do we control for that? Like, I think one of my favorite examples was talking to a customer success manager about this. And she said, have you considered sneaker drop emails? And I said, no, what's a sneaker drop email? And so within sneakerhead culture, you know, they uh, type a new sneaker for a really, really long time. And then when they finally have the email when the sneakers launch, those emails get insane performance simply because of this weird, unique quirk of sneakerhead culture. I never really thought about the data science implications of sneakers until now. So, One thing that I want to know is um, the heart of Showcase is data science. And that's what makes it so powerful. You know, as a customer, you come on to Showcase and we want you to trust that every example that you're looking at in showcase is in there for a reason. And I really think the data science team here on the, the creative pod needs to be commended for that. They put a lot of thought, effort, and energy into the data science side. And it's kind of like they use data science to build up the rest of showcase. So when you're looking at the examples in showcase, it makes sense as to why they're in there because of the amazing work that they did to, to even get those examples in there in the first place. I worked also a lot on adapting our approach that we use for selecting emails to SMS, we're really thinking about a lot of the same things, right? What are the factors that we want to sort of account for that might impact click rates, but aren't really about creative. But we also thought a little bit about what does the SMS data look like and how might that affect things? So two big things. First of all, we have fewer, all of our customers use email, but not all of them use SMS. So thinking about what does it mean to work in a slightly smaller data environment? Another thing is customers send SMS less frequently. You oftentimes have a much smaller list that you send to, it's much more personal channel. So maybe sending three SMS per week could be really, really annoying. In that sense, it's kind of a smaller data environment as well. So we did think a lot about how can we make simple algorithms that can find the best SMS in this sort of smaller data environment. You brought up this idea of there being multiple reasons that something could be high performing and therefore showing up in showcase and having to do work to kind of justify why is this particular email or this particular SMS showing up in showcase. What are some of those reasons that something can show up in showcase for email we look at either open rate and click rate uh, for sms it's just click rate broadly speaking right what drives open rate is you know sending to the right people um, and then having a really good subject line because that's what causes people to open the email click through rate on the other hand is you know having good content in the body of your email for sms we don't really have the same concept of open so it's just you know do you have a good body is there something that is in there that people want to click and i think that things can perform really well for a lot of different reasons Especially for the open rate question, it's, are you sending to the right people at the right time? 
you know, is your subject line something really catchy and fun? You know, either you, you know, say, hey, there's a deal inside, you got to check it out, or you have maybe a fun pun or fun emojis or something that just gets people excited to check out what's in there. On the click rate side, similar thing. Are you getting people excited to click on your email, right? That could be, do you have really fun and interesting blog content and people really love your blog content, so they want to check it out. You know, maybe you have really awesome pictures of clothes or whatever you sell, and then people see that and they, you know, are incentivized to want to go check it out. Or you have a really good deal and you can communicate that in a really clear way. Again, this is why it sort of varies so much brand to brand, but all these kind of things can make an email perform well. Yeah, I think Charlie did a really good job of kind of summarizing a lot of the the success factors and you know best practices that that we've been seeing. But to put it simply, you know, there, there's so much that can go into creating content that can eventually make it successful. And that's a major reason why, you know, we want Showcase to help people because this is an opportunity for all of our customers to come onto a site and browse all this content that was successful and maybe pick out different pieces depending on, you know, which content that they're looking at. You can look at one example in Showcase and you can get some inspiration from it, but then you can go to a completely different example in Showcase and get completely different inspiration for completely different reasons. To be you know, fully open, there are a lot of situations where we honestly just don't know why something did as well as it did. Or I certainly found myself surprised in a number of situations where, you know, I'd look at something and go, wow, okay, you know, visually this maybe isn't the most impressive looking email. And yet like, you know, look at the clip, the click through rate on this email, uh, you know, wild. I think sometimes it's not always obvious what it was about it that drove the engagement that it got. One of the fun things I think about this project was getting to like really kind of dig in on some of these examples and try to figure that out. And I think we, we still have ways to go to like completely figure it out. Like I don't claim that we have like a perfect model, like, okay, if you do X, then, you know, then it'll do, you know, a certain uh, click rate or whatever. But, but I think it's, it would be surprising to a lot of people out there just to know that like, you, know, you don't have to have the most polished email to get that the highest performance. And, um, you know, it's oftentimes some of the emails that look like maybe, you know, nothing special that actually do really well. So it's, it's interesting to, to, I think, see that. Obviously, this is a large topic that I'm about to go into. We're not going to get fully in depth on this whole topic in a single episode, but let's briefly discuss data privacy and how it relates to Showcase. Data privacy is immensely important. It's core to the mission that we have as a company here at Clavio. And frankly, I think any responsible company should feel the same way. We're dealing with information that can be considered pretty sensitive. The actual design that's sent out in an email how it performed, all of those can be really informative for people about the overall strategy that a company has. How do we deal with data privacy concerns? How do we handle data privacy with this particular feature? We have a commitment to customers to respect their privacy. We're never going to show any concrete information about their campaign's performance, like the exact click rate or the exact open rate. The most that we'll say is this campaign has a a high open rate, for example, and, and kind of leave it at that. Obviously, you know, this presents a very interesting problem for us of how do we give our users enough information to make showcase valuable and interesting, but at the same time restricted enough so that we're respecting everybody's privacy. And there's a very thin line there that we have to avoid crossing. On the technical side, there are other questions as well. So like, obviously a big thing in Clavio is the ability to use dynamic content, right? So you can say, hey, Michael, or hey, Hammurabi, check out this deal, right? And so we did do make sure to, in any cases there was dynamic content, we would only show an anonymized person, not a real person like that. Be very clear with our commitment to customers that we're going to release this email if you want it, but we're never going to show any actual information about your customers. And one thing that probably should have noted from the very beginning, a huge part about Showcase is that our customer has to consent to having their example in Showcase. So our algorithm will find high-performing content and we'll do a manual review and verify that it's an example that we would want in Showcase. It's not just going to automatically appear on Showcase without the customer knowing or anything like that. We'll actually reach out to the customer and say, 
hey, we identified your content as high performing and we want to feature it on the Clavio showcase. We'll show them the terms and conditions, tell them what showcase is and, and everything. And then we'll, we'll explicitly get consent from them to use their example and showcase. So if a customer doesn't want their email to show up on our site, it will not show up on the site. Possibly a naive question. Why would someone opt in? So I think there's a couple of reasons. I think number one, especially when we talk to smaller companies, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have a sense of like, we're all kind of in this together. A lot of people, not all of them, but a lot of brands do kind of take the approach of let's, you know, share a lot of our learnings with each other. Like we talk to people who are in Facebook groups where they learn about e-commerce best practices, or, you know, talk to people who are looking at looking and sharing other examples with them all the time. So I think there is a sense of, yeah, I'm totally willing. Of course, I'm willing to sort of share what I've learned that works well. Other companies are much more concerned about their competitors copying and might not want that, but a lot of people do. Another thing is, you know, for a lot of people, it's, it's kind of an honor to be in showcase. I mean, you know, it's a chance to share with other people. We're not just going to put anything in there. It's only going to be something that we know performed well. You know, it's an honor and it's in Clavio's interest also to really celebrate the people who have created really awesome content. And lastly, another thing a little bit darker is like a lot of this information is out there already. There are sites out there that actually all they do is they have bots subscribe to emails and then they basically show all the campaigns from that brand on the site. So your campaign is likely already out there in these kind of bot aggregator sites. On some level, you're not giving a lot of extra information about your brand just from that. But instead, we are, you're allowing Clavio to use it in this much more curated way. Okay, so at this point, you've identified some high-performing campaigns. You've figured out the privacy concerns. You've gotten opt-in from customers to use them. The next step is actually serving those up. We talked earlier about this idea of a visual learning tool. What was the overall approach to getting these campaigns in front of people so that they can actually serve as inspiration? We iterated on designs for Showcase at length. So in the beginning, honestly, it was a very small team, mostly data science. So we, we actually, Charlie here did a lot of work, putting together a lot of wireframe mockups and just talking to users on the, you know, on zoom about like, okay, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Just honestly talking to a lot of users and getting a lot of really, you know, really candid opinions. At one point we started getting, um, you know, more professional design help on the, on the team. And so, uh, then we started doing all kinds of like design, uh, sprint exercises. We'd go through, uh, you know, and kind of brainstorm what this could look like. We considered all kinds of ideas for how to, how to approach this. But I think we kind of settled on the idea of like having sort of this like nice gallery where you could see similar to maybe what you'd see on like a Pinterest type site where you just see like a, essentially like a large collection of, of content uh, that you could easily sort of filter through and, and find what you want. Another big part was figuring out, so now that we have this gallery and we have thousands of campaigns, how do we help people find the ones that are relevant to them? We spent a lot of time figuring out you know, what should they be able to filter on? How do we label each campaign with those different labels? So our colleague built a classifier for campaign type. We looked at a lot of other data we had on industry, what kind of holidays things were for, you know, a lot of work there. Also figuring out how do we rank them to show campaigns that we think are relevant. And then increasingly, Devin's also doing a lot of interesting stuff on figuring out how to allow for search. One thing that we noticed, especially from, you, you know, user interviews, this is one thing where customers will consistently bring it up without anybody on the team. It's a very powerful message that comes from, from customers when they will tell you something without you asking about it. So we found that from a majority of our user interviews that we did before launch, and we were showing people showcase and people that were even part of like our, our beta period. A lot of them were saying that you have this really cool filtering tool here, and it's really easy for me to filter and you know see specific examples related to like my industry, or we have like this really cool holiday filter where if I want to see um, examples related to Black Friday, I can find Black Friday under the holidays and, and, and only see those. So that serves its own purpose, but there are some customers that really 
know exactly what they're looking for and really just want to come on to showcase and find exactly that. And a lot of customers were saying that the one thing that they're missing is a search functionality. So I think far and away, you know, in terms of user feedback, this is, this is at the top of the list. They really just want a simple search feature where if I'm looking for a campaign related to t-shirts, I want to search t-shirt and, and see those campaigns. That was really interesting to hear because it's kind of like customers would say that the filtering feature that we have, there's nothing wrong with it. And they find that it's very useful, but there's certain instances where they want something quicker than to just filter. And, you know, they're not really in that browse mindset. They're kind of in, just in that mindset where it's like, Hey, show me exactly what I'm looking for. Let's talk about some of the surprises that happened during development for Showcase. What was the biggest surprise to you during that development process? Uh, well, I think for me, what was surprising, honestly, was just how many decisions we had to make along the way. I, I think on, on the surface, Showcase seems like a relatively simple idea, right? It's like, okay, it's a collection of some of the highest performing SMS and email campaigns. But just at one point, we were putting out a decision document with like 70 pages of just like working through, okay, you know, do we have links? Do we have, what kind of data do we show? How can we present this in the best way? And so just like the number of decisions we had to make were enormous. Having to figure out even like where to start, you know, because obviously there's a lot of other creative um, content beyond just campaigns that we could, we could focus on. How does this live within Klaviyo? You know, the kind of the whole like Klaviyo ecosystem, just like a, a number of like of questions that we went back and forth on for a long time. So even something that seems like relatively, like as a concept, relatively straightforward, uh, ended up being quite involved. And, and I think kind of in the same vein, I was surprised by the, like the complexity we know we wanted to show you know the best campaigns, but like the amount of work that went into to getting that um, was was quite intense. We have like you know multiple models running on the back end, running in sequence. So you know, for example, we needed to classify our campaigns ahead of time before we could even begin thinking about how do we then select from various groups categories, and then we had all kinds of you know things to consider. Like okay, do we show emails that have you know I don't know images that you know maybe are very political or contain firearms things like that. So we had to make a decision around like. How do we moderate some of the stuff that we're seeing? And then also, you know, then the whole consent process, like how do we go about, it was very important to us to we get consent from our users before we include any of their content on Showcase. And, you know, how do we go about that in a way that is A, scalable, but B, also like, you know, fair to our users, make sure they really understand what they're opting into. So that was just a lot of thoughts and a lot of work that went into like kind of that whole end-to-end -end pipeline to make Showcase possible. Yeah, I kind of want to give another example of, you know, what Chris was talking about, where it seems like Showcase is a, it's a very simple concept, you know, a, a gallery of, of high-performing content that I just want to look at whenever I need inspiration. It's The concept is very simple, but the execution is very wildly complicated. One example that I can think about is just thinking about the, the workflow of our users, how and when they want to access Showcase. Tying back to the theme of seems very simple, but <laughs> it's not that simple. Even just thinking about like UI UX, same, same concept. It seems simple, but it, it's not. Everybody has a different workflow and everybody thinks about showcase differently in that workflow. So one of the trickiest things that we're working on that we worked on in the past, you know, while we were in the beta period and before showcase went public and that we're still working on now is when is the best time to show showcase to our users? And it's a very, very hard challenge and it's a very hard problem to solve because everybody thinks about it differently. And there's so many different entry points in the marketer's workflow where it makes sense to send them to showcase. And it's kind of just about finding those right points. That's something that we're still working on right now that still doing user interviews on, even though we launched almost a month ago, something that we're still working on perfecting. One of the biggest surprises for me, in addition to what Devin and Chris said, was just I don't know how many interesting emails people are sending on Klaviyo and how kind of fun and weird some of the stuff was. I think, you know, as a data scientist, I think a lot about numbers, but thinking in terms of pictures has also been really cool. Like uh, one was um, 
an email with a dress with shrimp on it. And it has this disgusting like red orange background color and a bunch of like really big shrimp emojis as a lovely message, but things that I would have never, you know, a data science model wouldn't have exactly picked that up if, you, if you're just looking at the numbers and so many kind of cool and weird kind of stuff like that. That's a great point that you bring up. I'll open that up to Chris and Devin as well. Do you have any favorite emails or favorite SMS messages that you've run across during this process? I don't want to point out a single email or SMS, but I will say that some of my favorite ones are the ones that use puns. Specifically, there, there's a ton of SMS examples that, that use puns. And I, I, I love just sitting there and reading them. Uh, I, I think they're super creative. And Charlie even like talked about, you know, how that can be a success factor and why the, the SMS is successful. And I just think about myself, like if a company uh, sent me an SMS as a marketing tool and I saw I had a pun in it, I, I'm clicking that link 100% of the time. <laughs> I had a lot of favorites. I spent a lot of time going through emails. I, I, I saw a couple of things that I actually wanted to buy myself. You know, there was one like really cool pool raft that I thought, wow, I would, you know, I don't even have a pool and I want to buy this raft. So there were a couple that almost converted me just, uh, you know, just going through and reviewing them. And then I had a couple ones that were just like really funny and it's hard to kind of shake the image. So uh, one in particular, Devin would appreciate, which is like a, like a roast beef sandwich or something like that. Uh, SMS. And, I, I knew uh, this was coming up, Chris. I knew, I knew you were going to say this one. <laughs> Sometimes is, imagery um, will just stick with you, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, will, I will say it's a very effective marketing campaign because I'm never going to forget this SMS. Just, just to give you some context, Michael, there's this SMS message that had a picture of a roast beef sandwich that I was just mortified by, but Chris and Charlie loved for some reason. To show the product and really, really show how it feels. Controversial sandwiches. I did not expect to get to that point in this episode, but that's why we record them. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got here. Devin and Chris have agreed, but we're actually going to really focus on smell in, in Q1. That's going to be a big, big thing for us. <laughs> they wrote that to the filter bar. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so something that we sometimes get to talk about, since sometimes it ends up being interesting, and that is definitely the case this time, is the release and launch process. For Showcase, what was the release and launch process like? Chris and I, you know, started this a while back where we kind of meet weekly to talk about development progress on Showcase and the progress that we're making as a whole on our roadmap, progress that the team's making as a whole on the roadmap. Having this weekly meeting where we got aligned regularly, caught any hiccups or any problems really quickly was crucial to us getting showcase ready for, for KPE on time. So because Chris and I were trying to be organized and on top of everything, we actually hit a point a few weeks before launch where all of the major work was completed. And the only things that really needed to be done before the launch were, were minor and small things. It can still be incredibly stressful when, you know, you make a commitment to the world and you have to have your product ready by that specific date. Even when the team was working on finishing up some of the small touches a few weeks leading up to KPE, we were still monitoring the site like a hawk and praying nothing unexpected would break or, or stop working as intended. Really need to commend the, the development team here. They're super talented. We had a lot of faith in them. They hit it out of the park. Anything unexpected that came up was usually resolved within 24 hours. And it's like the entire team was on a mission to have showcase ready for KPE. I'd like to cut in real quick. So you mentioned KPE a few times. For those who are a little less in the Quavio jargon know-how, KPE stands for the Quavio product event. Can you tell us a little bit more about why you're bringing up KPE in relation to Showcase and kind of what that relationship is? Yes. So we actually announced Showcase at the Clavio product event on October 27th. So the Clavio product event is a platform for Clavio to, to show our customers, you know, the new things that are, that are coming out with the app and the things that we've been working on. And, you know, how is the app better now than it was since the last Clavio product event? We were incredibly grateful and, and very, very lucky 
to have showcase be one of the items that was announced in uh, the Clavio product event. So yeah, we basically had the floor for, you know, about 10 or so minutes to really just talk about showcase and introduce it to the world and tell the world what showcase is. And, you know, this awesome thing that we've been creating. When you say we, who actually did that? <laughs> so I was, uh, I was the person that, that got to announce it, but I say we, because, <laughs> you know, like we mentioned, this is a team effort. I felt incredibly grateful to announce it, but my mindset when I was announcing it at KPE is that I'm, I'm announcing this on behalf of the team. A lot of the team has been here at Clavio long before I have been, and they've been working on Showcase long before I have been. So I wanted to announce it on behalf of the team. Absolutely. And as we mentioned, team effort, any feature of this size, honestly, any feature of just about any size tends to be a team effort, but especially one this large and of this magnitude. So definitely 100% agree with you on that message. But I did want to point out that this is one of the cool things about making software. Sometimes you get to go in front of the world and show off the work that you and your teammates have done to give customers using your platform a new cool way to make their campaigns and get inspiration. So I think that that's worth highlighting. On the note of launching, how have things been like since Showcase has launched? In a very quick way, incredibly busy. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Charlie and, and Chris can agree with me. It's really cool that we we got to announce it to the world, and you know everybody knows about Showcase. But that's not the end of the the journey for us. There's a lot of work to be done to make Showcase better and to follow through on some of the promises that we've had before launch, and continuously keep updating the the product that we know people are using and we know that the entire world knows about now. In the spirit of continual learning, which is something that we talk about a lot on this podcast. You've had a bit of time at this point. Uh, it's been a few weeks at the time of recording. This is going to release a few weeks from now, but at the time of recording, it's been almost a month since Showcase came out. You've had that time to watch people use Showcase in the wild, as it were, in the field. What new questions is that making you ask? We already talked a little bit about the question of search, of making things more usable in that way, but are there any other new questions that have come up organically just from watching people use Showcase? Yeah, definitely. And I, I kind of hinted at this before, but just thinking about how Showcase fits into users' workflow, they know it exists. So when do they want to go back to Showcase? And what are those moments in their marketing workflow where they think to themselves like, hey, I could really use Showcase right now. One of the big opportunities for us is to really pinpoint those moments and present Showcase to them at those moments to really hit them whenever they need Showcase the most. Yeah, I think for me, it's like it's a curiosity thing. So, you know, the whole time you're building a product, you really have no idea exactly like, you know, how it's going to be received, especially, you know, you do a lot of user interviews early on, people kind of tell you what they're looking for, what their pain points are. You, you sort of come up with a, maybe a prototype for what something could be to solve the problem. And people tell you, oh yeah, that's great. You know, but then it's not until you actually like build it and release it. And then you can really kind of like get a sense of like, is this actually solving the problem? So it's definitely fun to see like the, the user data every day and, um, and see that, you know, it is being used and engaged with, but I definitely am I'm really curious to kind of find out more from users, like, you know, is this, is this actually solving some of their problems? You know, what do they actually think of the campaigns that they're finding in Showcase? And uh, you know, how can we make it more effective and, and better for them? And with that, we've reached the end of the discussion on Showcase. Hopefully this gives you a good peek behind the curtain on what it's like to make software that is trying to solve real problems for real people. And hopefully it gives you some inspiration for the next time that you're trying to solve real problems for real people as well. So thank you again to the creative team for being on and talking with me. Thanks so much for giving all of your insight here. Yeah, thanks again for having us, Michael. But thank you, Michael. Thanks so much for having us. And with that, we have reached the end of the episode. This episode of the Clavio Data Science Podcast was sponsored by Clavio, as all episodes of the Clavio Data Science Podcast are. Clavio empowers creators to own their own destiny, 
with features like showcase and many other things that you can hear about on other episodes of this show. If you're interested in learning more about Clavio, go ahead and head over to clavio.com. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. If you're interested in hearing the other data science topics that we have taken a deep dive into and the other features that we have discussed, then you can check out the full backlog of episodes for the Clavio Data Science Podcast. You can get those either through whatever major podcast distribution network you use, or you can head over to medium.com slash Clavio Data Science. That's Clavio hyphen data hyphen science to check out all of the full show notes from all of the episodes. If you liked what you heard on this podcast, then consider subscribing to the Clavio Data Science Podcast. Again, you should be able to do that through just about every major podcast distribution network. If you liked what you heard, consider leaving us a rating or leaving us a comment on one of those podcast distribution networks. That helps us show up to more people. So if you liked what you heard on this and you think that more people would like to hear about how to make data science software that helps people, then go ahead and consider leaving us a comment or a rating. In addition, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about this podcast, the best person to contact is me. The best place to reach me is my Twitter account. That Twitter handle is Lawson underscore M underscore T. That's at L-A-W-S-O-N underscore M underscore T. That's it for this month. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great month.